0: Five and four three two one says welcome everybody, welcome to this week's digital uh media works master class. Um, the title of today's session is Connect and Convert, Avoid an E-commerce Payment Declines and Supercharge Your Conversions. I think um, I'll go to introductions in, in, a, in a second because we have got a, a guest with us today from outside of MediaWorks, one of our partner organizations. But from my perspective, I think today we're going to be talking about something that some people may be aware of um, that exists. Some people may be blissfully unaware right now. But I think what I would say is the reason we're having this conversation is this is going to be a topic that if you're in the retail space, you need to be increasingly aware of um, to be making those informed decisions. So hopefully we're going to take you through um, sort of some ideas around how you can start considering this, being aware of that, understanding how big the problem is. Um, And and as I say, I think we've got some fantastic panellists with us today. As those that don't know me, I'll introduce myself initially. My name is David Norris. I'm the Performance Marketing Director here at MediaWorks and I'll be delivering uh, the, the session today as um, the, the host of today's workshop. We've then also got Ben. So Ben, do you want to introduce yourself very briefly?
1: Yeah, good morning everyone. Uh, my name is Ben Holman. I'm the Head of Page Strategy at
0: MediaWorks. And then today, we've got a, a fantastic special uh, special guest with us, um, and it is is Ty Osnap, who's Enterprise Account Executive at Signified. Signified, I'm sure uh, Ty can tell you a little more, um, but Signified are a partner organization that we we work with across um, a, a number of areas in the business, um, but do some really quite specialist, sort of quite, um, quite I wouldn't say... I would, I wouldn't like to use the word niche, but it is quite a technical area of the e-commerce landscape. And I think, as I say, we want to take people through that journey today. So, Ty, would you just like to introduce yourself to the audience today?
2: Hi, thank you very much. Uh, It's great to be speaking today. Uh, My name is Ty, currently at Signified. Um, We we have a platform which helps uh, online merchants to uh, optimize payment conversion and, and customer experience. Um there's a compliance aspect, but it really comes down to helping uh, our clients make more money do, do more with less. Uh, my, my background, uh, myself, I, I started out in, in retail in and family business, um, and I've been working with with merchants for the last 10 years. Uh, it's in payments today, previously stock, inventory and, and finance as well. So quite a broad experience uh, across the, the back office.
0: Yeah. And I think just to to highlight sort of signifiers credentials as well, you were recently named the Merchant Anti-Fraud Solution of the Year at the most recent FS Tech Payment Awards. I believe that was actually last week. Um, So, yeah, I think we're going to be speaking about something, as I said, that if people aren't aware of, then hopefully by the end of this session, you understand why you need to know a bit more about this area and the impact that that it can have. Um, I'm actually just going to dive straight into the... So the the questions really around sort of, and I'm going to come. Um, I'm going to actually come to you, Ben, first. From a with Black Friday and the holiday season approaching, how are you working? Sort of how we, I guess, as media, is working with our client clients to get prepared for the shopping surge that we're seeing.
1: Um, I mean, we've we've been preparing for months now. I guess I remember we did one of our very first sessions like this. Probably in July, and I think, you know, some of some of the initial feedback we had ourselves was we're talking about Black Friday in July, you know, it's months away, yeah, but we, we have to prepare for this kind of thing, you know, you have to be well in advance. I think something we've seen over the last few years, especially last year, was the amount of retailers and the amount of, you know, companies that are going into the, the online space now and, and utilizing um, digital to, to enhance their, you know, their overall revenue performance. It, it's just increasing, um, as I said, kind of especially last year with with the pandemic and that kind of thing. So yeah, we we've been kind of planning things for the the last few months. Um, you know, we're kind of really getting to the to the end of it now. In that preparation stage, we need to have all the the t's crossed and the i's dotted by the end of this week to make sure that everything um, kind of is in place. But looking at you know multiple different areas, things such as profit margins. Where well, you know what baseline needs to be, what targets are, and all this kind of stuff. Every variable that you can think of.
0: That a lot of retailers. Yeah, I lost you just for a second there, Ben. But I think the, the point. Of, yeah, I would echo the point of we're working with a number of retailers around that whole that whole planet, please. And now, really, it's in that execution mode. And I think sort of what what we're seeing is is, as I say with with. We know that Black Friday is set to be a fantastic, you know, period for retailers. Again, it's an area that people put a lot of value in, a lot of stock in that area. What I would say, though, is over that over that period of time, we know that also people are going to the high street as well again, you know, which is a bit different than what we saw last year. So I think time when we were talking about this, we were talking about actually how it's so important, more important than ever before to ensure that from a conversion rate optimization perspective, we're actually converting everybody. Um, who, who we possibly could as a result of that.
2: Yeah, I think um, just, just some interesting, I think, statistics. Last year in November 2021, uh, November 2020, sorry, and then uh, again in January 2021, were two peaks in in terms of the split of uh, e-commerce sales as a percentage of retail. Um, they hit just over 37%. And as people have started now to return to the high street, as stores are opening again um, the the trend is returning to more the general growth trends that we saw for the decade before the pandemic um, and that's created a different set of problems i think that the merchants are looking at this year versus last year last year it was about how we fulfill demand um, and this year uh, it's a renewed focus on how we can convert every visitor and um, how we can do more with less um, and, and reach those ambitious targets that we've set. For, for us at Signified, I think we've been working quite specifically in two areas to, to help with that conversion rate optimization. Um, and, and both of those areas are uh, at the later stage of the customer journey, um, when the shop has actually hit that they want to uh, start that payment. Um, and that's sometimes an area that's explored less as we look at conversion rate optimization. One of those is around the uh, the false fraud declines. Um, and that's actually something that's really interesting when we look at Christmas. When you start to perhaps spend a lot more on your credit card than you have uh, up until that point in the year, you start to do gifting, uh, perhaps having products delivered to different addresses that may not be associated with you, uh, perhaps buying products of a different value to, to your usual spending habits. We do find that false declines go up. Um, So at the point of the year when we want to be converting more and more customers, we can actually see the payment conversion rate come down. Um, And and this year, we're also being hit um, with the implementation of SCA that's coming up in March. Since June, uh, a lot of banks are are testing for secure customer authentication. um, And that's actually leading again to uh, an increase in uh, bank declines. Uh, and we're looking at ways to work with merchants to ensure once the payment goes off to the bank, we're able to convert 3 to 5% more of that revenue, really helping drive that, that top-line growth. And what's, and what's the scale of that, that problem right now, then, Um, with, with secure customer authentication, or, or SCA, um, in Europe, where it's live, uh, people like CMSPI um, and Microsoft publish monthly data. Um, and they're seeing transaction failure rates you know, anywhere from 15 up to 25%. So it's, it's fairly dramatic. Where the UK is now is a, a gradual enforcement, which is being rolled out up until March 2022. 20, um, the banks have been testing since June. So there's a nine-month testing period. Uh, and what a merchant will see if the bank decides to implement some testing with you Um, We'll see a new type of payment failure, which is a soft decline, not something you'd have been dealing with before this summer um, and something a lot of merchants aren't actually set up to handle. They can be recovered if you have the right system in place. Um, And those soft declines have been anywhere from 5%, uh, which is kind of typical, um, up to around 40% with a particular merchant. Um, That merchant has a very high basket size. And they're a very big merchant, so they're actually being sampled or tested at a higher rate uh, by the, the banks, the issuing banks in the community. Yeah, and I think for me, this is where
0: that whole CRO piece, and we talk about CRO conversion rate optimization. We'll often talk about it in terms of driving the right traffic to the site, making sure that the, the checkout process is simple. I think an often forgotten piece is then around that, that, that payment decline element. And I think this is an area whereby it'll definitely get the interest of the finance directors in business as much as the marketing directors, because if you spend all that time, energy, and effort nurturing that relationship, only for those payments to be declined. This, the, as you've identified there, when you're looking at like 15%, you know, you, you're talking about some relatively large, chunky numbers for, for retailers. And as I say, it's why it's definitely something we wanted to really talk about today. So I guess. What, what are, the, are the key trends that we're seeing in the European payment market right now? And then we know, because as I say, we work very closely with yourselves, that it's very different in different regions as well. So probably some comparability but with a focus on Europe might be useful.
2: Yes. I mean, Europe's going through a, a big regulatory change with the Payment Services Directive, um, which has implemented the, the SCA uh, requirement. And that has you know, very drastically reduced what we see as traditional fraud, which is someone using a stolen credit card uh, to buy a product. They would then resell that product, and the, the consumer who's had their credit card stolen would file a chargeback. Yeah. Um, that type of fraud in Europe is down to around five basis points or less. Uh, that equates to around one transaction in every 2,000. So it's a very controlled problem now. But what we typically see as the flip side of having very low fraud is the impact to customer experience and conversion. Um, So what we're seeing in in Europe is we are either declining customers or introducing more payment friction uh, around the guise of security to reduce fraud, but actually lower our GMVs. as we also look at the different types of fraud, um, we're seeing fraudsters change their activity. Uh, it is harder for them to use a stolen credit card now. Um, and we're hearing some really interesting stories from merchants around uh, refund and return abuse. Yeah. So one story that, that we came across to our own research um, and our investigations team was a, a criminal ring that were buying 200 terabyte Seagate uh, hard drives online. They were dismantling the product, swapping in a cheap piece of memory, reassembling the product and shipping that back to the warehouse for a return. Uh, Very difficult for your average person working in the warehouse to understand that that product is no longer uh, what should be in the box. Uh, Each time the scam was done, the the criminals were making $200 a piece. You can buy these products from hundreds of retailers, Um, but perhaps more dramatically, there's going to be a customer at some point that buys a hard drive that they think is you know, top of the line and they're actually receiving a, a really compromised uh, piece of inventory. So it's going to really damage their relationship with the retailer as well. Um, so that game of cat and mouse is really continuing and, and fraudsters are finding different and quite innovative ways to to defraud merchants.
0: Yeah. And, and,
2: and like across the rest
0: of the world, we typically see what we class as that, that sort of First party fraud, we see that being a a lot higher, don't we, um, than than for example in mainland
2: Europe? Yes, we've seen, um, what we term as item not received or return fraud, Um, it's doubled in the EU. Um, And what we've seen is that starting to uh, really replace the the traditional card activity before, Uh, stolen card activity. We've seen ATO increase a lot as well, account takeover. Right. Um, e-commerce merchants haven't been particularly uh, or a lot haven't been particularly hot on security and, and customers tend to use quite weak passwords so that's another area that, that fraudsters are starting to to find avenues um, to, to create revenue again a, a big issue with brand reputation there yeah. and that's very different to what we do see in Latin America um, and North America where it is still predominantly stolen card fraud um merchants in america uh, will often have quite high approval rates but they may be seeing chargebacks at, at one one and a half percent um and that's a whole new set of, of problems that occurs with that okay so i'm just conscious of of the, the people that are obviously
0: involved in today's session and you know, the are most likely to be sort of UK centric or UK based role. So obviously we know it's been an unusual time for retailers with the dual disruption of Brexit and the recent pandemic. Sort of what are the critical actions then that brands can take today to get prepared for that, you know, international expansion piece?
2: Yeah. So the, the two big, uh, I think the two big you know, trends that we're seeing is, is fraud in Europe is changing because of SCA. Yeah. Um, but we have also seen Brexit, which is making it, it much harder to, to trade with Europe. Um, you know, the UK is a big e-commerce market. The, the majority of merchants have previously you know, relied predominantly on the EU to, to really expand and, and grow their market share. Um, over the last you know, six to 12 months, we hear increasingly that people are actually looking to North America uh, in luxury goods, maybe out to, to APAC to increase revenues. Uh, but what we've found is, is merchants are moving outside of Europe, which has one very specific uh, set of fraud pressure. They are being uh, perhaps caught out slightly from a, a fraud and a process perspective. Um, so if, if you're setting up a new region, you do need to ensure that you have the tools in place to address the fraud pressures that are seen uh, within those regions, quite specifically. Um, that can be from a payment side, is working with local acquirers. European acquirers will receive a much worse authorization rate. Uh, But it's also understanding that tools like 3D Secure, which work quite well within Europe today, uh, are much less widely used in America. And it, you need to look at other solutions to introduce the same type of payment security as an alternative to to three D Secure, which is the European default. Yeah. So I guess what you're saying
0: is for, for different for different regions, if you like, different areas, different processes and
2: systems need to be considered. Absolutely. Um, as we look at having uh, low fraud, but also a good customer experience. Yeah. The US versus the EU versus APAC. Um, it does require a different tool set and a different mentality. Yeah. You can run into trouble quite quickly if you try and take the existing stack from the EU and port that over to America without uh, tailoring that in the right way. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because you know, the the parallel I draw
0: when we we came up with um, like cookie policies and GDPR information, et cetera, that we had to put we, you know, obviously we posted on the website, et cetera. Um, Again, it was really interesting to see the different levels of adoption, you know, between some clients, like, you know, there's certain websites that you go on, and frankly, like, it's really hard to actually decline. I find, like, as a, as a user myself, I find it actually really difficult to decline the cookie policy if I wanted to. In other, area, in other areas, um, it, they make it actually, in lots of ways, it's the, the, the option that you're actually drawn to is to decline the cookie policy. And I think... You know, when I sort of think about the parallels there, it's really interesting because it is about sort of considering not just being compliant, but also that user experience, because I think it's really easy to say, we're going to be the most compliant. But as you say, one of the challenges, and this is why we're talking about it from a digital marketing perspective is, we want to convert, you know, so you need to have that full service, full funnel solution, not just bringing in the right customers at the top, but also making sure that that whole conversion piece is as strong as it can possibly be without, obviously, then losing people on the, the other end. By once you get them through the basket, you you ultimately you, your payment compliance systems etc. is out of kilter with the rest of the market and what other people are seeing.
2: Absolutely, um, and I, you know, if, especially if you're trying to grow a brand, I think that that initial customer experience is is very important. Um, if you're established in the market, you know people will come back; they'll persist but if you are growing your profile, trying to create uh, your brand identity in a a new region, customer experience becomes even more important. Um, Otherwise, you you find some quite headwinds.
0: Yeah. I think one of the questions we've just had is, uh, and this is a really quick one, would you recommend
2: escrow as a payment gateway? So I believe that the the escrow gateway is is typically for higher value goods in, in the US. Um, I'm not sure the uh, the, the context of uh, yourself who's asked the question, the goods that you sell. Um, in terms of picking a, a gateway for the US, you know, we would recommend picking uh, either a, you, you could work with a European gateway, um, but we would recommend working with a gateway that is able to do local acquiring. Uh, so there are European PSPs that will be able to set up a US acquiring entity. But having that local acquiring will lead to a higher authorization rate with the bank. Um, and that's around converting as many payments as possible. The, the second piece is then about adding the payment security in. Um, in. In Europe, most people use 3DS to introduce a liability shift. And that is now becoming mandatory. So within Europe, uh, the need for an external or third party to provide a liability shift is. Uh, is smaller. In the US, uh, many more companies will uh, opt to take on another vendor to add into the stack who will offer a liability shift similar to 3DS, but without introducing the same level of payment friction uh, because it's not standard in America. Uh, And and that would be our uh, best practice recommendation for that market. Perfect. And that leads me nicely
0: on the next question that I've got, Ty, which is around you know, are there any changes to the payment market or key legislation in 2022 that retailers should be aware of? Because I'm conscious here, we're talking about, we are sort of having conversations around what's best practice to help from a conversion rate perspective, um, but also then what do you also need to have in place from a compliance perspective? So yeah, what what are the key things that people need to be considering or thinking about now?
2: Yes, we've mentioned it a few times today, perhaps in passing, which is uh, SCA or Secure Customer Authentication. Uh, This was a piece of legislation introduced a few years back now, um, but only going live within the UK in March 2022. That introduces a mandatory security check uh, within the payment flow. um, And the way that that is met is using 3D Secure. Now, it, it, but what does that so so, so tie for for those that sort of are coming at this
0: um, maybe from more marketing angle than a than a the technical sort of conversion piece or payment processing? So, sort of, what does that look like? You know, when you're talking about 3ds, what does that look like um, in a, in a general customer conversion
2: piece? Uh, absolutely, uh, everyone's probably experienced 3ds themselves. Um, if you're purchasing online. Uh, either the transaction will, will go through. Alternatively, which is seeing more, you'll get a text message sent through to your phone. Um, or the more modern version, you might go into your banking app uh, if you've got an iPhone and do a face ID or a thumbprint. Yeah, that is what the customer's view of three D Secure is, which is a a two factor authentication in the payment flow. Unfortunately, that experience. Uh, is something that is very damaging to payment conversion. Um, uh, Microsoft have some very good uh, information that they publish monthly on their LinkedIn page. If you look for Dean Jordan, he is the director of payments at Microsoft, and they publish their internal scorecard uh, to show how it's affecting their own payment conversion. And abandonment is anywhere from about thirteen to twenty percent of one of those step ups. Um, it, it's a big change to buying experience, and there are some ways that that friction can be minimized. But that should definitely be something uh, everyone should be uh, interested in at this point, coming up to March from a, a conversion rate perspective. Yeah. So then, so then, you know, we talked about that that
0: legislative element. So. We talk about sort of SEA being enforced, like again, talk to us about how that's gotten, you know, what what that rollout ultimately
2: looks like, Ty, from a from an EU perspective. So the Euro- European Union is already live. Um, yeah. so mainland Europe, and there's some good data there, which is a early warning indicator perhaps of, of what we'll expect. Um, in the UK, we, we have a phased rollout at the moment. Um, so the banks are testing we'll start to see more failures where we're not performing the 3D secure flow and up until March, where we do need to have full compliance to be able to still process payments online. The the SCA is uh, a little bit complex. There's exemptions from the uh, requirement for 3DS. There's also exclusions and those can be leveraged quite effectively to bring the balance back in favor of customer experience you know, which is what we'd recommend, avoiding where we can those step ups. Yeah. But that does require uh, every merchant to really understand what that best practice would look like from their perspective, and how they can use the exemptions and the exclusions to really minimise the impact that they'll see on on their checkout conversion. Okay, and then, Ben, I think...
0: From our perspective, then, from a you know, I'm thinking from an advertiser perspective, if you like, sort of what are the, the, the key things then that we should be considering from an e commerce perspective in terms of that conversion piece? Like, what are the metrics that you'd be looking at to help sort of monitor this and see what impact it's actually having? Yeah,
1: I think it's. I don't think there is one answer for that question, to be honest, because I think it requires a really deep dive um, into a lot of data. If we're looking at it from a very top line point of view, then conversion rate is instantly going to be your, you know, your go-to. Um, but, you know, as, as someone who's done this for, for quite a long time now, conversion rate can fluctuate based on a number of different variables. So you may not get your answer just by solely looking at conversion rate, because it, it fluctuates all the time. So, you know, having a look at some of the metrics, average order value could be another one potentially. Um, you know, I, I previously, before I, I went into paid marketing, I used to run an e-commerce site myself. And generally what I found, um, this is personal experience and not across the board, was a lot of the the fraudulent orders that I would see would come, and there would be higher value. Uh, there may be multiple items, um, you know, that were higher than our normal average order value. Um, that might not be the case, but that might be just a, a little instigator to suggest that, you know, potentially something has shifted, um, you know, w- within the website that you know you're getting a new audience or, or whatever the case may be. So that might be something that stands out a little bit. Um, but I do think it requires, a, you know, a much deeper dive into having a look at. You know um, what, what trends we all see. Um, we we kind of know all know how our websites perform. So any kind of instant peaks or drops that are just unexpected, yes, these things can happen just normally within marketing. But you know, if there's anything that's you know seriously stands out, then it, it's absolutely worth investigating to see if there is any kind of foul play involved. Yeah, and
0: then that leads me nicely on to you know we, we've highlighted some of the challenges that are out there, but. I guess we'll come into you, Ty, for this, this final question, really, which is, what can retailers be doing then to overcome some of these challenges right now? Because you know we've got people who are going to be listening to this thinking, "Oh, yeah, but well, I'm aware of some of the terminology and the language that's being used here, and I'm aware of this being an issue. We're also going to likely have people listening who are thinking, well, I'd never thought about that. To them, CRO might have stopped at the point where a conversion was logged in Google Analytics, for example. So again so what what would you be recommending that people do to overcome some of these challenges
2: yeah i think there's from our perspective there's two things that, that we would recommend especially in the run up to you know enforcement in march yeah. i mean at any time there's a big change in the industry it's i think wise to really understand how that's going to impact you so firstly is going to be more from the analytical or the data side um, there's a lot of sources that publish data around the impact of SCA but it is going to impact every merchant specifically based on who shops there uh, an example of that is a company like ASOS perhaps a very young audience their audience may be very good at completing the step up they all use online banking if we we're to look at someone like m with an older demographic that the impact could be much heavier for them because of the shoppers that will be trying to check out because of this um, you can get the data that you need but it is usually contained within uh, your psps dashboards as opposed to the e-commerce site or google analytics where a lot of the existing conversion rate work may be done yeah so either get into those reports yourself or alternatively uh, you could ask your payment service provider to to run some of that analysis and actually provide you the numbers back so you can really understand the impact. Um, and, and the second piece would be talk to the community uh, and really understand what best practice looks like. I, I mentioned Dean Jordan's uh, content that he publishes through LinkedIn. He is also publishing Microsoft's uh, best practice strategy for, for March next year. Very simple, um, but you know, look at the experts and, and the leaders in the industry, understand what they're hoping to do and how that fits with your own roadmap. And adopt the things that, that make sense in your business. Yeah, and I think I think that's a really wise sort of um,
0: range of suggestions there. Ty, in the sense that you know I'm I'm conscious that you know we're seeing more people than ever uh, online. We're seeing more people than ever purchasing online, getting more used to e-commerce, etc. And I think there is that whole education piece around understanding sort of what we mean by. Conversion, You know, because as I say, when Ben and I are looking at campaigns, we'll often talk about conversion and it will be simply what we see, in, you know, in terms of the payments that are processed through um, or, or, or clusters processed through something like a GA platform. Whereas actually, if you, you look at a wider issue and you might see five to 15 percent of those uh, payments actually declined at that point, there's going to be a significant discrepancy between between sort of what we're seeing versus then actually what the business is seeing and i think that's one of the reasons that we know with this topic becoming is going to be when enforcement actually comes in 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 march we know that this is going to be something that retailers need to be to be absolutely at the forefront of and understanding because the impact that this can have only on your business but the business's bottom line can be quite significant
2: yes interesting perspective because it's yeah, SCA is often uh, something which is sat with a fraud team uh yeah. a payments team and the, the uh, KPIs and the metrics that they're monitoring may not be the same as the finance team or, or the marketing team. Uh, so taking that holistic business approach yeah. is going to be the most effective way, I think, to address this. Uh, it can be hard with, with siloed data. Absolutely. And, and, and of course, in terms of scale of
0: business, some people might not have a dedicated fraud person. Right now, you know that might be somebody who's wearing, you know, multiple hats within the organisation, and this then becomes something that they need to be be um, sort of aware of and absolutely be considering, because as I say, the scale of this this issue is is significant, and um, it's something that that whole compliance piece is is really important. I think we always finish um, by by sort of me suggesting or, or the the, the, the um, person hosting suggesting three area five areas sorry that people should be thinking about and taking away. I think for me, and this might sound a really basic one, but you know, we know that the market is getting increasingly competitive. There is more people online, but we also know that there's increased competitors for retailers online. That's mean that we've seen things like CPCs typically increase because obviously from an auction perspective. So you know, we do know that there is a rising cost of doing business online. Which means ultimately, CRO has never been more important, you know. And from my perspective, the thing that we're talking about today um, absolutely sits within that that CRO piece and understanding that it's not just the point where a conversion um, is is allocated within the platform. So it's about understanding that um, payment authentication uh, is is increasingly important. Um, I think is 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 part of that uh, process. So when we're talking about the SCA, we're talking about secure customer authentication. From my perspective, it's like, again, understanding the impact that that actually has on the customer journey as well. You know, Ty, you were talking about understanding things like dropout when you put these processes in place where there's potential audiences that are more used to engaging with that process, more comfortable with engaging with that process. Others aren't. And I think that one of the, thing, the challenges around that for me is is we're forever telling people to be more vigilant, be more compliant for things that you haven't seen before. And I think that that's the double-edged sword with this, is about educating your audience around that process as well. Um, you know, So I think that's a, a huge element. I think three, we talked about that international expansion piece, and we understand that not all retailers are UK-centric, um, of course. So you know, for me, it would be consider the markets in which you operate and what legislation is in place, but also balance that with what UX is in place in terms of comparability. So, be you know, thinking about where we're at from a legislative position in terms of making sure we're adhering to all the legislation, and policies and, and laws that are, that are uh, relevant within a particular location, but also consider what does that mean from a user experience perspective and a customer journey perspective, because as we identified you know, you can be um, absolutely compliant and, and and deliver everything. But how do you do that in a way that actually doesn't detract too much from that customer experience? Four would be um, SEA has already been rolled out uh, throughout this year um, across uh, across the EU. So from our perspective, take your learnings from that, you know, be engaging with the content, the information that's already available in the marketplace around um, How's that been received by audiences? What trends have we seen, et cetera? You highlight, for example, tie some brilliant resources through the likes of Microsoft, et cetera. Uh, uh, so I think from my perspective, you know, be engaging, be aware of these things and start doing your reading up on them. The fact that you're on today's podcast, to be honest, is, is actually, you know, a really positive step. And then finally, you know, do understand your data but also get involved in the discussions and the community that's taking place because the data will tell you and it will give you some indications, but as Ben identified, the reality is the market uh, does see fluctuations uh, and, and peaks and troughs, et cetera. So understanding data is great. Understanding sort of conversion data is fantastic, but also then be comparing that against external reference points. So be engaging with communities be engaging with and um, specialist providers, payment service providers, and getting their views on it, et cetera. Because, you know, from our perspective, this is something that 100% is not going away. It's going to have increasing um, sort of uh, uh, attention, but it's also going to continue to evolve. Like the current system that we're de- adhering to right now isn't going to be the same system that we're adhering to probably in 18 months, two years down the line, where there'll be further add-ons, further adaptations, etc. Um, hopefully everybody's found that really interesting and, and sort of gained a lot of insight into, um, you know, what is an increasingly important issue across retail and something that, you know, if you're an e-commerce manager, something if you're a digital market manager, particularly if you're working in that fraud area, or even if you're just, frankly, interested in the finances of your business, this is something that you need to be aware of from a, an e-commerce retail perspective. So. Thank you very much uh, for your input, Ty. Thank you very much for your input, Ben. It's been great delivering this session with yourselves. And yeah, we look forward to seeing everybody next week's Digital Masterclass. Thank you, everybody, for attending and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, everyone. Bye
1: bye.
0: Hey! 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 <laughs>